Welcome to Faith City Outreach, where your host, Marina Maria, reaches out to the world to discuss Christian topics and providing biblical solutions, as well as praying for the nations. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The music in this broadcast is provided courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Now, here is your host, Marina Maria. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Pastor Barbara Miller from the Tabernacle of David and the Center for International Reconciliation and Peace in Carnes, Australia. Pastor Barbara is also a psychologist, sociologist, mediator, teacher, and writer. Pastor Barbara and her husband, Pastor Norman Miller's ministry, has a strong focus on reconciliation, justice, prayer, and worship. They founded the Center for International Reconciliation and Peace Incorporated as a parachurch ministry. The Millers planted a church in Carnes, Australia in 1996 and set the center up in 1997, holding an international conference on reconciliation in Carnes in 1998. Thank you, Pastor Barbara, for being on Faith City Outreach to share your testimony and about the ministry that God has blessed you with, which is the Tabernacle of David and the Center for International Reconciliation and Peace Incorporated. Thank you, Marina. It's just a privilege to join you. Uh, Thank you so much. And hello to your listeners as well. Pastor Barbara, before you share about your international ministry to our listeners, please share your salvation story. Well, as a young person, a teenager, I used to walk walk a long way um, to church. My parents weren't believers. And but I knew that there was something more to it. And so when I went to university, I had the opportunity, being in a bigger city, to go around the churches and sample them, as you might say. And I went to a Pentecostal church and um, just was so touched um, by the Lord that I went forward and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was about 20 at the time, and life has never been the same since then. So on university campus, um, I just used to talk to the Lord all the time, and that was just awesome presence of the Lord. And I set up an evangelistic kind of stall outside the refect, the eating area, and used to give out free little Bibles to whoever wanted them and talk to them about the Lord, whoever was interested. So it was an exciting time. So when did God lead you to develop this international ministry that you have, the Center for International Reconciliation and Peace Incorporated? Okay, so that was a lot later um, with my husband, Norman Miller, um, who is an a First Nations Australian, and we both were pastoring a church in Cairns that we had pioneered in 1996. So in 1997, uh, we went uh, to Sarging in Canada, um, Manitoba, to a reconciliation conference there among First Nations people, and we also went to Coventry Cathedral in England to a reconciliation conference 
conference on that same trip and the Lord spoke to both of us in England that we needed to set up the Centre for International Reconciliation and Peace and really focus a lot in that area of ministry. And so that's how it happened. So when the Lord spoke to you about doing this, um, where were you at exactly? Was it during worship? Was it during prayer? Was it during a discussion with other pastors or just leaders? Or, or when, was, when did this happen? Or what were you doing? Well, I think Norman and I were just talking over over a, a, a coffee and the Lord just dropped it into the spirits of both of us at the same time. Um, we, we have a, a wonderful uh, synchronicity um, in that we tend to hear something from the Lord round about the same time and witness with each mm-hmm. other about it. So that's just a real blessing for our marriage and our ministry. That is beautiful. What is the mission for the Center for International uh, Reconciliation and Peace Incorporated? Well, uh, basically, it's to bring um, reconciliation between races, including Jew and Gentile, between nations, between um, male and female, um, old and young, rich and poor, um, between church denominations, and uh, also to... uh, Healing the hurts of history is part of that and and bringing a focus uh, on justice and righteousness, which together are the foundations of God's throne. Uh, And also uh, to raise up the tabernacle of David in worship and and prayer. And the tabernacle of David has a focus um, on godly government as well. So that's an area we work in too. Now, I read that the Center for International Reconciliation and Peace Incorporated was up in 1997. How has it been going so far, and has it changed since in any way? Uh, yes. I, I think, I think it, um, amazingly, uh, the vision that the Lord gave us when we first started has very much um, continued and sustained us since then. Uh, We've probably increased our focus um, on uh, the ministry reaching out to Jewish people and Mm. teaching on the Jewish roots of the Christian faith has increased. We've also started Indigenous Friends of Israel. uh, Mm. And, yes, there hasn't been, um, well, we have started a couple of other ministries, but I'll talk about those later. Now, I also read on your website that part of the vision of your international ministry um, is a center, is to be a center um, for a prophetic end time church without walls and a house of prayer for all nations in Israel and to raise up the tabernacle of David. And you also provided many scriptures. Um, I did read too, and it reads from your website that you have received prophetic words that um, that's found in Jeremiah one ten. It's a mandate. See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Now I know you both received a um, confirmation from God to do this international ministry. 
but um, has it been very challenging? It seems like such a big task. We know that it's not impossible because God did appoint you to do this. Um, It is a huge task, but I know we serve a great God who can guide and help you. Um, But so how are you doing this strategically? (laughs) Okay. Well, one of the things that we've done is to host 10 Psalm 24-7 conferences throughout Australia in uh, mainly capital cities, but also in Uluru, the heart of our nation. And four of those have been in Parliament House, Canberra. And so it also fits in with the Jeremiah 110 ministry in that those focus have been on uh, closing the door to things that aren't of God and opening the door to things that are of God. So there has been some spiritual warfare focus there as well and um, a reconciliation focus as well in all of that. But really bringing our nation to a point um, of dealing with offences to God and and bringing more purity to our nation has been part of that as well. So that's one of those things, those those conferences. Um, Also, we've done a lot on First Nations non-Indigenous reconciliation in Australia and in England, uh, particularly between 1997 and 1999 when we were involved with um, the, well, we went to that Coventry Cathedral and and repented there. Um, I repented for anti-Pommy attitudes on behalf of Australians to the English Mm. and um, Norman repented on resentment of um, Aboriginal people for colonisation. So, um, and we went back with um, a team, uh, the Australian Prayer Network, took Mm. repentance all through England, top down to the bottom Uh, and uh, the English also came to Australia and we hosted them uh, at a reconciliation conference in Cairns when they did a tour through Australia saying we forgive you. So there's so much more to it but that just gives you a little bit of an idea. And how did that go? It went very, very well, yes. How did did. they react and respond? Sorry? How did they respond to to this conference? Responded very well. We had some of the um, English um, uh, intercessory leaders um, there and uh, we also had um, Maori speakers as well because we had uh, attended in 1996, I think it was, the first World Conference of Indigenous Christians that was in um, New Zealand and so we invited them to come over as well and speak, the leaders of that. Uh, so um, I've got a whole lot more points. <laughs> Do you want, or maybe if I just give you one more, um, we've done a lot of Jewish Gentile reconciliation. And how, how are you doing that? Well, in, in, well, I've written a book on uh, William Cooper, who was an Aboriginal um, Christian who in 1938, Eight led the um, one of the few private protests worldwide against Kristallnacht, the German consulate in Melbourne. So uh, we reenacted that in 2012 and received an apology from the German consul. 
and wow. we had Holocaust survivors and children of survivors. So it was a very um, teary um, moment of, of healing, very powerful. And uh, we've also repented, Norman and I, in Sydney in 2002 and in Yad Vashem, Israel, Holocaust Museum in 2004 and 2010 for Australia um, refusing to take Jewish refugees um, at the Evian Conference in 1938, which um, led to some Jewish people um, dying during the Holocaust who could have been saved. Australia did redeem itself after World War II. Oh, great. Do so you there's think... just some examples. I've got a lot more, but I know that you have other things, other questions. Do you want me to continue or not? Well, I was going to ask you if you think, because I know you make uh, regular trips to Israel. Um, do you find that they are, um, or even just when you meet the Jewish people, doesn't have to be from Israel that when you're in Israel, do you find that they are still healing or do you find that they are going through similar issues? Look, um, I find the Jewish people a remarkable people for all the horrors of the Holocaust. And, you know, so many uh, Jewish families in Australia and in Israel um, have lost family members in the Holocaust and yet there's such a resilience there. There's mm. such a spirit of innovation. Um, there's such a hope. And uh, knowing that anti-Semitism still exists, knowing that, um, you know, they could still face something similar, unfortunately, to what happened in the Holocaust, that we can't rule that out. Um, there's an incredible... Um, resilience and of course there's been a lot of suffering um, but I think you know the, the 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 culture of the Jewish people because of what's been instilled in them through the scriptures has really enabled them to um, you know rise up from the ashes so to speak. Mm-hmm. Now do you find that more are coming to Christ? Oh, absolutely. Um, particularly in, in Israel more so than in Australia, um, there are a lot of um, uh, Jewish people becoming what we call Messianic Jews. There are a lot more um, congregations being established Um Israel. It's flourishing and it's growing. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now, when you go visit Israel, what are your discussions about other than you ministering? Um, are there particular discussions that they like to talk about more than others? Well, it depends what you're talking about because, uh, you know, for a number of about seven years, we took people to um, a conference in Israel um, hosted by the Jerusalem House of Prayer for All Nations. And uh, the leader of that, um, Pastor Tom Hess, um, he had a vision of dividing the world into 12 prayer gates And so we were the leaders of Australia, Norman and I, and the leaders of one of those gates, the Bethany Gate. So it was our um, responsibility to organise some of the nations uh, of Asia Pacific, including Australia, for a presentation there. And uh, so we were able to do that in, in worship and teaching and prayer. So we got to share quite a bit there. 
uh, we've been there in difficult times, um, you know, when there has been the uh, intifada and things like that. And so, you know, it, it's a nation that is under uh, enormous pressure, enormous um, challenge. Um, and so, you know, we we uh, we were called to do an Esther fast, and um, I had prophetic words and that kind of thing. The other thing we've done is take tours through Israel, and one of the I think differences about the tours that Norman and I lead is that we we take people through um, what is called. Uh, the Palestinian territories, um, mm. uh, Judea and Samaria, which is actually the heartland of Israel. And so we take people into places that maybe others wouldn't go to. Um, and uh, so we had to have an um, an Arab tour guide to take us into some of those places because Jewish tour guides couldn't go in there. And he was um, so amazed that we would made that a priority but we wanted to go to the places where um abraham um where god made covenant with abraham and where abraham built altars to the lord and so it was just so very special going to those places and um we talked to christian arabs in in nazareth and in bethlehem they can face a lot of persecution um particularly if um they are friendly to uh, Messianic Jews. Does that answer your question? It does. Wow. That's that's good information. Pastor Barbara, we know God is calling worldwide repentance. How are you and your pa- and Pastor Norman encouraging your congregation to repent and return to him during these times? Oh, honestly, we don't have to do too much encouragement in our congregation. They um, have got very repentant hearts and like to keep short account with the Lord. Uh, last weekend, we had in, you, you of course know about the return with Jonathan Khan, which we support. Um, last weekend, we had a national solemn assembly in Australia led by Indigenous Christians that Norman and I both had an opportunity to share at and um, our congregation took part in that. And, of course, the National Solemn Assembly here was timed uh, to coincide with the 10 days of all leading up to Yom Kippur or Feast of Atonement and what you're meant to do on on the biblical calendar is actually to repent during those 10 days because on Yom Kippur, um, the teaching is that the books close for another year, but we know that that's in Judaism. We know that as Christians, of course, once we give our heart to the Lord, our names are in the Lamb's book of life forever unless we turn our back on him. But, you know, that's a, a set time on the biblical calendar for repentance. So it's no wonder that Christians globally have been repenting during this time. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that um, with repenting comes times of refreshing. Amen. Amen. On your website, it says that you have written 10 books focusing on First Nation issues, the Holocaust and Christian journals and co-authored other books. Which of these books identifies the major issues 
of the First Nations? Well, I think a number of them do, but I'd focus on White Australia has a black history, William Cooper and First Nations people's political activism. And uh, so this book, uh, it really gives you the history of um, white contact with First Nations people in Australia, um, right through from uh, colonisation up till till last year, basically, when the book was, was published, but it looks forward to, and it does that through, partly through the um, uh, life story of, of William Cooper, an Aboriginal Christian, who founded the first uh, national Aboriginal organisation to, to work for the advancement of his people. Why are the First Nations experiencing um, many issues, you know, issues in, in those issues that you had um, mentioned? Okay, so look, um, I, basically um, loss of um, sovereignty, um, the loss of land, um, even loss of life um, at settlement, uh, loss of language um, that's not and and culture although there are there are some tribes that still have um, language and culture and of course um, you know things like um, separating um, families um, separating children from families and communities that has really meant um, that there has been some issues with um, dysfunctional, families and, um, you know, alcohol and, and drug abuse. So petrol sniffing can be an issue. So, you know, there are a lot of issues there and um, colonisation is certainly um, one of the, the major causes. Um, there also are some issues within um, Aboriginal culture um, traditionally that cause some of the issues as well. Um, racism and has been one of the issues um, and uh, paternalistic um, treatment um, of Indigenous people. And in the early days, there was the whole issue of eugenics and social Darwinism that um, fed that racism and, and discrimination. So we, we have a huge um, gap in socioeconomic um, indicators between um, First Nations uh, people and other Australians on a whole lot of issues like income, education, health, incarceration rates, etc. Do you think that the First Nations issues are similar globally or different? Oh, look, I absolutely do. Um, uh, you know, I, I have um, done a little bit of travelling, but my experience is mostly um, Australian and from what I have read. But, yes, I would certainly say so. Um, just the whole taking the children from their families and communities, um, putting them in dormitories, that's led to loss of language and culture, um, loss of um, parenting um, skills and, you know, the, the theft of land and theft of um, resources. Um, you know, we've had a situation in Australia um, and it was interesting, you know, with this whole Black Lives um, Matter movement um, coming to the fore um, lately, um, questions were asked in Australia, well, did we have slavery here? Well, no, uh, we didn't. Uh, however, we did 
um, have something similar um, to that in the sense that we had child labour, we had work for rations, we had um, uh, under underpayment of award wages and uh, even stolen wages in the state that I'm from, Queensland, with the government-controlled bank accounts and kept most of the money and used it for public works for the general public. So that's led to intergenerational um, poverty. So um, those issues may well be in, in place in other nations. What is Australia doing about these First Nation issues? And I know you uh, play a big role in supporting um, the First Nations Yes, well, Australia um, has made a lot of attempts to bridge the gap, say close the gap, for instance. Um, just a couple of examples. In uh, 2008, the, uh, the gov federal government made an apology to um, Indigenous people regarding the stolen generations and there was a huge wave of healing uh, through the nation and a closing the gap was set up to try to 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 um, bring parity in health education and uh, income other areas um, that actually 10 years on was found um, not to have been very successful in closing that gap so there's been a refresh of that recently and we now have um, 50 national um, Indigenous organisations that are called the Coalition of Peaks. They have now been given the major responsibility um, to and the power to be able to close that gap. So it's still going to take um, a long time, um, they believe, but um, at least I think that is a um, step in the right direction. Right. There are, call, there are calls um, from the Uluru Statement from the Heart. There are calls for voice treaty truth, um, calls for a national um, uh, First Nations voice embodied in the Constitution. Uh, the government has been reluctant um, for that, but there are some moves to do it um, outside of the Constitution and uh, to do it at all levels of government to provide that voice. So there is some progress there. Uh, with regard to a treaty, I still think that's a long way off. Well, Australia is one of the nations that hasn't had one. Uh, and uh, with regard to a Truth and Reconciliation Commission like South Africa, I still think that's a ways off as well. Do you think that the First Nations is still going through healing? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. There's, um, I, I know that um, in with the Christian community, for example, um, First Nations Christians, some of them are healed. Um, some of them are still struggling a bit with this um, whole issue. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of repentance, uh, but... Yes, some people still have difficulty. And, and then, of course, you've got non-Indigenous um, Christians who say, how many times have we got to say sorry? 
you know, when is when is it enough? That is a big question for some people. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, for some people, it's still not enough. Mm -hmm. It's true. Do you think that there's many layers of healing that they have to go through? Yes, I like that proverbial onion. Yes, there are layers. And, you know, I, I had a um, an Aboriginal priest from a nearby Aboriginal community um, a few years ago. He said to me, look, um, I'm a culture man and uh, why do I have to give up my, my culture um, to be a Christian? And he was struggling with that. And I said, well, you know, um, you don't have to give up all of your culture. You only give up those parts that don't line up with the word of God. And it's not focused on Aboriginal people. It's focused on all Christians. So white people have to give up things, whether it's materialism or, or, or other things in their culture um, that don't line up with the word of God as well. And he says, oh, okay, that makes a big difference. He said, not just us who have to give stuff up. I said, no, mm -hmm. no, it's everyone who becomes a Christian. We have to give up stuff that doesn't line up with the word of God. So that was a big relief to him. That's good. How can the Australian people or just people worldwide help support the First Nations? I think one thing is just being a friend, like a genuine friend. Um, so, and, and, and having, having respect, I think those things are really important. Obviously, um, prayer as well is uh, important. And, you know, when, when um, First Nations people say, look, this is what I want to have happen, you know, we need to be, we need to stand with them and, and um, say, yes, we support you um, in that. Amen. This is Marina Maria from Faith City Outreach, and I'm speaking with today's special guest, Pastor Barbara Miller from the Tabernacle of David and the Center for International Reconciliation and Peace in Carnes, Australia. Pastor Barbara is also a psychologist, a sociologist, a mediator, teacher, and writer. And right now we're talking about um, her testimony and also about First Nations. Pastor Barbara, has God revealed anything in your heart recently during your prayers or your Bible study time about First Nations during this pandemic time? Well, I, I think one of the things that um, if I just go back to 1996, when we had Australia Day uh, commemorations in Brisbane, uh, it's a fraught time for First Nations people because some of them call it Invasion Day. But the Lord gave me a word then that um, First Nations people in Australia would rise up to leadership in this nation um, in a spirit of Joseph. We just had the National Solemn Assembly last weekend during the pandemic. It was done by Zoom. Um, and Indigenous people were leading that. And uh, so I actually saw that as a fulfilment uh, of, of that um, prophetic word that the Lord gave me. 
Um, and he also um, had me share on Genesis 50, um, 20, which is one of my favourite um, scriptures. And I, I shared um, at the solemn assembly about how Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers um, and they expected revenge and he instead, um, he said, he forgave them and he said, look, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good, the saving of many lives. And I, I think that scripture can be a difficult one for First Nations people, but also a, a comforting one because it shows the importance of forgiveness, but it shows that we actually don't really know um, why God allows some things, but really he has a greater purpose and he will bring some some good out of it. So this is one of the things that the Lord um, reminded me and um, I, I shared recently. Apart from that, um, we've... Um, We've been doing a lot more by Zoom, as you might imagine, and uh, reaching out to people um, all over the world uh, is, is a lot easier with Zoom. You don't have the expenses of travel, but the Lord keeps downloading things um, all, all the time. He does. What was the reaction um, from First Nations people who saw this Zoom event? Led by first, some of First Nations. Yeah, look, um, I think I, um, from what I saw, um, the excitement, um, um, it was very uplifting um, for them and, um, you know, joy. Yeah. Uh, Good. Yeah, look, um, and I think the, the uh, Pastor Peter Walker, um, who was the, it was his vision and uh, he's an Aboriginal pastor and he said, look, you know, this needs to not be a one-off event. This needs to be a journey. We need to keep it going. I read that you teach on Israel and you have celebrated feasts since 1997 and that um, you also mentioned earlier, but I also read that you ministered in Israel Palestinian territories, Turkey, England, Canada, the U.S., Zimbabwe, Guatemala, and others. What was it like to minister in Palestinian territories? You did sort of mention that you did go there, but I'm curious to find out how your experience was. Yes, well, we we found that um, the, of course, we were in the uh, churches of Christian Arab pastors, in uh, places like Bethlehem and Nazareth, they um, experience a lot of persecution there from Muslims. Mm. They um, also, uh, yeah, they are so pleased when uh, people like ourselves as a tour group um, come in and listen to them sharing and we share with them and they love to hear um from us and I, I think they they feel quite isolated in many ways and uh, so to have us come in and show we care, show our support, um, hear from us what's on our heart, um, they're very eager for that. 
That's good. Mind you, there were rolling demonstrations. Um, you know, <laughs> there were demonstrations in the streets and things like that. Not always a safe place to be, but um, yeah, we praise the Lord for the opportunities. I guess um, just thinking of it, one of the places um, we have been to is Sterot, and we've been there a couple of times and taken people up the hill overlooking the Gaza Strip and um, praying there. And uh, the last time we were there was actually in 2017 and uh, we had a word from, we had permission to go there, um, but then the police raced up the hill and said, quick, get down, there's three snipers um, aiming at you, get down quickly. I don't think I've ever run so fast. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah, for people who haven't been there, the town is full of holes in the buildings um, where the uh, fire uh, missiles and everything come in from Gaza to, to wow. the town of Sterot. So they have um, shelters there they have to regularly run into. So, yes. Now, were you, were you at least a little bit scared or nervous when you were there? No, I wasn't. But when we were told, get down, the snipers are aiming at you, um, Norman said he's never seen me run so fast in my life. <laughs> he thought I was running so fast down the hill I might tumble over. <laughs> but the Lord was with us. So Yes, yes, he protected protected you yeah. all. Amen. Mm. Now, what was your like experience? I said, like I said, you know, we didn't go up there lightly. We had permission. Yes. Right. What was your uh, experience like in the United States? Okay, so we were sharing um, our preaching in the church of um, some black American pastors um, in California whose home we stayed at, and uh, that was a a real blessing. And uh, the reason we were there primarily was to to go to a conference run by Bishop Bill Hammond, but uh, we came in, uh, flew in through California and had previously arranged that we would do some ministry there. So that was a real blessing. It was the first time we had ministered to some Black Americans and they enjoyed it. That's great. Now, have you ever been to another country to learn more about the natives there? Because I know that California has a large Native American population. So does Arizona and um there's another country or another state too in you Oklahoma also does yes um so when we were in New Zealand for example um with this world um conference of indigenous christians that was an awesome opportunity um we were actually lived on a marae um at the time and uh we learned some songs um from some uh native canadians um, who came over and uh, it was wonderful to hear all their stories uh, and, and to hear the, Ma- the Maori people share and from other nations, First Nations. And also in, we were in uh, Canada. We went to um, Saging, um, which is a reservation in Manitoba, um, and we stayed um, with the First Nations um, family there. They were um, deacons in the Anglican Church and 
That was wonderful. We enjoyed their blueberry pancakes as well. Oh, <laughs> um, and ate, ate, um, yeah, ate local um, wild food. And But to hear um, people share was absolutely awesome. Because we were from Australia, we weren't expecting to share, but they gave us an opportunity as we'd come from all that way. And the Lord um, just showed me that the Feast of Tabernacles, which is um, coming up this weekend, um, you know, it's about God tabernacling with us. And so I shared about um, God TPing with mm. us. And so mm. they enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. What's your greatest... Um, interest in the First Nations? What's something that is so special about them that is just, you just enjoy being? I don't know. It, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not First Nations myself, but somehow, you know, when you ask me that question, my what comes straight to my mind is it's in my blood. I can't explain that. Um, it's just um, such a passion for me, such a part of my life. Uh, that's all I can say. You know, um, I live and breathe it. Um, of course, I'm um, married into um, an Aboriginal family, um, and you know, I have a son um, who's Aboriginal. Uh, that I guess makes a difference too. And sometimes when I I read stories in the newspaper, and I I Norman says, oh, you, you're crying. And I said, yes. And sometimes I think of my son too and think, you know, this could be him. Mm. Um, that, that just gives you a little nutshell. What do they think about your, um, your work, your ministry, I should say? Okay. Uh, because well, you write and you do so many things. I know you're a pastor, you're a writer and you're a psychologist, and you just you need to support the First Nations. What do they think about your work, your ministry? Okay, um, very well um, accepted, and I think part of it is that I'm part of the furniture now. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been there, I've been there standing with First Nations people for so long now, um, since about... Um, 1970 so uh yeah it's about 50 years it's a long time and so you know I have friendships I have lots of shared experiences and people know my heart amen why is it so important for Christians to pray um not only for the first nations but also for um the Jewish people and to support Israel? Well, basically because, uh, you know, with God, God gave the, the, the gospel, the scriptures um, to Jewish people um, to be a light to the nations. And um, so they carry that sacred um, task and uh, we have benefited um, by that. And uh, there's a beautiful um, scripture that I uh, have for you here, and I will read read it. Romans nine four to five. Paul says, "The people of Israel, theirs is the adoption to sonship. 
theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all forever praised. So, you know, we owe them. Um, we owe them the Judeo-Christian heritage and and. God has spoken to us through the Jewish prophets and also Jesus himself went, was Jewish when he walked on earth. And so that's an awesome thing. And look, so the other thing is Matthew um, 25 tells us that Jesus, when he comes back to judge, he's going to judge um, nations as to whether they're sheep or goat nations. And that is um, whether they support Israel and whether they are righteous. And so um, I have a very strong prayer, as do others, that our nation um, supports Israel because we're going to be judged on that basis because God judges nations as well as individuals. So um, part of my ministry is teaching on the importance of supporting Israel. Do you think, and this is your own opinion, that more nations are praying for Israel? Oh, absolutely. I've seen a big difference. Um, you know, Norman and I have been pioneers in so many areas, and, uh, you know, this is one of them. And uh, but, but now it's becoming more mainstream, and I praise the Lord for that. That's great. Do you find more people are praying for First Nations? Absolutely. And uh, that's been a big change as well. Good. And so, um, yes, and it's, it's picking up as well. Mm. Is there a favorite scripture that you always repeat or you keep in your heart because it has helped you during challenging times, Pastor Barbara? Yes, well, the scripture um, that I um, picked out for that, um, because um, I knew you were going to ask me that one. <laughs> uh, look, when Norman and I were in, um, I was called um, to go to Brisbane from Kansas, it's a thousand kilometres away to our capital city, to work for Teen Challenge as a psychologist. And we were so... Um, uh, happy in Cairns on the ministry team of a big church, our family here. We both had good jobs, but the Lord gave us a scripture um, from Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so off we went, much the disappointment of our local pastors who didn't want to lose us. When we got to Brisbane, um, the work fell through and we thought, okay, we've rented our house out for a year, um, enrolled our son in another school down here. What do we do? We've got nothing. Uh, and so it was a difficult time for a while, um, but we came back to this scripture and we said, Lord, you know, you gave us this scripture. We're sure we're in your will. We don't understand why this is happening. And um, for I think it was really Norman um, who said, look at the scripture again, for I 
know the plans I have for you. And, and, um, and, and I witnessed with that straight away. So it was God knows the plans he has for us. We don't have to know the plan. We just have to trust him. Mm-hmm. And so that got us through that difficult time and we were blessed in the end. Mm. We came if, back to Queens a year later. <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. I'm asking you to, um, if you can just um, let people know, let the listeners know how they can support your ministry or how they can even donate to your ministry. Where can they go online? Okay, well, we have a website, mm-hmm. um, www.reconciliationandpeace.org. So reconciliation and peace is just one word, um, slash payments, um, slash. So um, that's basically for people to register for conferences or buy DVDs, but you can donate um, through that as well. So reconciliationandpeace.org slash payments slash. <laughs> Thank you for asking. You're welcome. And that's where they can buy your books too, right? No, actually the books is on my um, book website, which is www.barbara-miller with two L's-books.com. Can you repeat that one more time, please? Yes. Um, so barbara-miller-books.com. That's Thank you. Else, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Barbara, for being on Faith City Outreach to just share your testimony, share about how God is just blessing your international ministry, and for helping me uh, exalt the Lord with your ministry. And um, I just want to ask you if you could take some time to give uh, the listeners some words of wisdom and encouragement and anything else that the Holy Spirit is leading you to pray for. Mm -hmm. Well, being a a pastor and being a psychologist as well, of course, I've counseled many, many people over the years. And I find, including in marriages where there are people having difficulty, Look, the biggest thing is to forgive. You know, Jesus said, um, forgive to 70 times seven. And I find that um, when people carry um, hurts, pains um, that they feel have been inflicted by other people, uh, if they don't forgive, it's like they're tied by a chain or a rope um, to that other person. And that other person doesn't even have to do anything else. But just thinking about it, it's like, you know, you chained um, to that person. And so if you forgive that person, it's like cutting that chain or that rope. And you say, why should I let them free? But the thing is, you let yourself free. And that is just so important. The other thing in a um, in a marriage relationship, for example, but any close relationship, um, you know, we 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 need to allow the other person to change. So if we keep treating them as if they were that person who hurt us, then we're not allowing them to change or accepting them when they do try to change. And so. Uh, that's an important key as well. So I'll I'll leave that with you. We do a lot of healing the hurts of history. 
um, but also hurts of individuals need to be healed as well. And to know, the test to know whether you really have forgiven someone, and there are layers of that, like you said before, um, is if we can pray pray a prayer of blessing over someone. That's the hardest thing. If we can bless them, then we know that we're healed. Amen. And for those who struggle with forgiving, um, you can ask the Lord to help them forgive. Absolutely. And uh, one of my favorite scriptures is, um, you know, when when uh, in in when someone said to uh, Jesus, Lord, I forgive help my unforgiveness and so we can pray that prayer uh look it changes things it really does and the lord will help us to come to that point of forgiveness as you said amen and it changes your life absolutely absolutely thank you so much pastor barbara could you please end in prayer Okay. Lord, I just um, ask that you would bless um, Marina, that you would bless this podcast, that you would bless all the people who are listening or whoever will listen in the future, Lord. I just pray that you will touch their hearts afresh and anew. Lord, if they have any um, hurts, Lord, whether it's hurts from um, how their parents have treated them or or how any loved ones have treated them, Lord, or whether it's hurts of um, um, how Native peoples have been treated through history, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would help them just to bring that to you. And, Lord, I pray that you would help them to forgive and to let that go, Lord, so that you can bring healing to them, Lord. Lord, I pray right now for your Holy Spirit to send a wave of healing over each and every listener now, a wave of healing, a wave of forgiveness. And, Lord, I speak new life, new life, new life, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Faith City Outreach can be heard daily, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Arizona time and 7 p.m. Eastern time. Faith City Outreach thanks Global Women Christian Chamber of Commerce Embassy and Four Winds Ministries for being supporters. Psalm 117, praise the Lord all you nations, extol him all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com. That email again is fcoprogram at gmail.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The music used in this broadcast is used courtesy of Zapswat.com.